We celebrate moms today. We hope that every single mom here just feels so loved and encouraged. Uh, we recognize, as a church, we recognize the way God sees motherhood. And there is no group in our, on the planet who models his sacrificial love more than moms. And we celebrate you. We thank God for you. We hold you in the highest esteem. We know there's no perfect moms here, but uh, we, we know that uh, there are devoted moms all over this church, and we thank God for you. I think about my own mom, the way she just served and sacrificed for us. She had five kids in eight years and just served us so much. And um, Gail, the way she was a mom to our three kids growing up. And of course, still, you know, that never, never stops. In fact, Gail was helping uh, our daughter Callie all week in a big project at her house. Uh, one of the, the pleasures of having grandkids is watching your own kids parent. And Sarah, uh, with her three kids now for the last nine years, and now Callie the last few months, uh, just marvelous moms, and it's just so good to see that. But I know that there are devoted moms all over this church, and we thank God for you. I also know uh, that uh, today's a hard day for some folks. I've already hugged several that I know for having uh, just a tough time. Uh, I gave hugs before the first service this morning to a woman who has lost her 50-year-old son suddenly the last few months, and then another one lost a 32-year-old son, and, and some of you have lost kids, uh, either death or miscarriage this year, and, and we, we, we know that God knows all that's in your heart. He cares. Uh, other reasons this is a hard day, maybe you have longed to be a mom and it's never worked out, and, and only God knows all that's in your heart, but He does and He cares. Uh, maybe you've had a tough relationship with your mom all your life, or it seems like all your life, or uh, you had your heart broken by a child, or for some other reason, this has been a hard day for you. And I want you to know that, that I care, that we care as a church. God cares. God is the Father of mercies. He's the God of all comfort. He will fight for you. Bring your uh, heart to Him. Also, we have resources to help in all of life, basically the small groups here to walk with you. But also there's freedom prayer, healing prayer. There's lay counseling. There's we can refer you to professional counseling. Um, we want you to know that God cares. God knows we care. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to begin by praying the Lord's Prayer, and then I'm going to go on beyond that, and then we'll read Scripture after that. But, but pray with me, if you would, the Lord's Prayer to the only perfect parent. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we love you. We want to love you more. We honor you because you alone are God. You are the great, holy, sovereign God of all glory. And we give you the worship and praise due to your holy name this morning. Lord God, we want to thank you for our moms. We want to thank you for mothers here 
this morning. And we pray that this would be an encouragement to them. I pray, Lord God, you'd wrap your arms of love and encouragement around every single mom. And Lord God, for folks that today is a hard day, would you please pour out your peace and grace and healing. Let them know, Lord, that you know and can heal the brokenhearted. Lord God, we thank you for our fellow Christ-honoring churches. This weekend, Lord God, we are praying for our church plant in Montgomery, Riverstone, their pastor, Brian Jenkins. Lord, we pray for them that you continue to put your hand of blessing and favor upon them and use them in a great way. Lord God, we know you're here, and we desperately desire to hear from you. Lord, would you speak to every one of us in whatever way you choose? Lord, we want to worship you, not just through song, but through obedient lives, through loyal love. Please give us grace. Lord, these are our prayers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd stand with me, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 6. We're going to take a break from Exodus and go to the prime parenting passage in all the Scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll begin with verse 4. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. Church, this is not only a foundational passage on parenting, but it is a foundational passage for several reasons. And in fact, it could be, could well be, the most foundational documentary sort of passage in all the Old Testament. It begins with the basic Jewish confession of faith, a confession of faith that Orthodox Jews, even to this day, back in the time of the Lord, but even to this day, recite twice daily. In fact, it has a name. It's called the Shema, after the Hebrew word for hear that begins, verse 4, hear, O Israel. And it is sort of known after that. Every synagogue service around the world opens from this passage. It is a foundational passage, and it begins with this basic confession of faith, of faith. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we have learned in the book of Exodus that when we see Lord in all caps, if you've got your Bible here, it may not be on the screens, I believe it is. Uh, when it's in all caps, it's that covenant name, Yahweh, that God explains in the book of Exodus, Exodus 3. This is the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who rescues his people, who fights for his people, who is that I am that I am, the sovereign, eternal God. The Lord, Yahweh, alone is God. Now, can you imagine in the Jewish culture when this was revealed in 1400 B.C., polytheism abounded in the ancient world, and there was, you know, this God over here and that God over there, and they had to be careful not to show too much attention to one God or another God would get jealous and all that fear and, and mess of living. And God breaks through all of that and says, stop, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, only one God, and he is God. 
Now, if he is God, that implies some things. If he is our God, he created us. He is our creator. He is our ruler. He is our judge. He is our shepherd. He is our father. He is our king. He alone is God. So the passage on parenting begins with this basic statement of faith. Now, in light of the godness of God, in light of the fact that there's only one God, he's God, then what is our responsibility as humans, as created beings? Well, that's the very next verse in verse 5 where we read, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Love him. Love him. Now, that's remarkable to me. There's God. There's one God. This is the God, of course, who created 400 billion, billion suns in the galaxies. This is the God who is spirit. This is the God who is infinitely holy and, and dazzling in his splendor. And he creates some two-legged creatures like us in his own image. And the main thing that he wants from us is to love him back. Isn't that something? That tells us that God is at heart a relational being. He's personal. He's a lover, and he wants us to love him back. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, uh, one of the main pictures you get of God is of God, the jilted lover, who longs for his people to love him, but so often you know, they turn aside to other gods and to other idols rather than loving God back. And so God says... Here is your main responsibility. Here is your purpose in life. Now, right here tells us what life is all about for us humans. If God is all about wanting us to be loved, then we're all about loving him back. So our faith is not at heart uh, do's and don'ts. Our faith is not religion. It's not churchianity. It's not, uh, you know, rule-keeping it is love affair. It's love affair. If you have not seen our faith in God, our relationship with God this way, then, then you really got God all wrong. It's love affair. Love him, love him, love him. Jesus, 1,400 years later, was once asked by a Pharisee trying to trap him, you know, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? There were 613 commandments. They took them very seriously. And there was wide debate at that time. Which one is the most important? You know, would it be the, the Ten Commandments in general? Would it be the first of the Ten Commandments? Would it be the command about idolatry? Would it be the one about the Sabbath? You know, what's the most important of all? Jesus doesn't hesitate. He doesn't say, well, they're all important. He doesn't say they're equally important. He doesn't say, well, you can't answer that. He says, uh, immediately by quoting our passage in Deuteronomy 6, 5, love him, love him, love him. Love him not just a little bit, love him with all your heart. Be wholehearted about it, not half-hearted, not lukewarm, not tepid, because he is worthy of our love. He loves us with a perfect love. Love him back. It's a little bit like the Mother Teresa line that I'm always bringing out when she said this prayer to Jesus. Jesus, I want to love you like you have never been loved before. I hope that stirs something in you. I hope that's your heart. Uh, that's, that's my heart for us as a church. If I had one dream for us as a church, is that all over Wood's Edge, there'd be folks loving Jesus like no congregation has ever loved him before. Just loving him. Love him what does that mean to love him? Is that to have a feeling? Is it coming to worship? Well, it includes the affections. 
the feelings, the gratitude, the delight in God, but it's more than that. It's also obedience. It's also doing what he says if we love him. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So it's both the affections and the obedience. It's loving him with all my heart, all my soul, all my being. Friends, if you're here today and you've been at all unclear on why you're on the planet, if you thought it maybe it was to, you know, make uh, plenty of money and retire well or impress people or something like that, no, none of those things. You are created. You are here to love God back. Simple as that and profound as that. If you are here and you have never opened your own heart to that love, do it now. I mean, the first step in loving Him is just to, to, to receive His love. Uh, receive his love, uh, just to receive him as your Savior. And, and then just open your heart. And maybe some of you have known him for a while, but, but, but your, your heart is still all kind of all bound up. You know, when I approach my three grandkids uh, who are old enough to run, you know, often they'll, just, they'll run to me with open arms. You know, the, their heart is open to me, and my heart is open to them. And that's the way God longs to be with you. Open your heart to him fully. Love him. Now, so far, on the main passage in the Bible on parenting, we've seen two things. First of all, who is God? He's the, he, he alone is God, Yahweh, the Lord God. Our, our basic responsibility and purpose in life is to love Him. And now we come to parenting. And even that has another surprise. In verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now, isn't that something? Here he comes to parenting now. You're going you're gonna to see it in the rest of the passage. He's, he's on parenting. Okay, here's the main thing about parenting. Obey the Lord. <laughs> Love him with all your heart and obey him. Put these commands on your own heart. The main thing that you parents, that we parents need to focus on is not controlling our kids. You can't do that anyway. They don't control <laughs> Um, the main thing is to give attention to your own heart. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, that's freeing for me. By the way, I know my kids are grown, but you never stop being a parent, so I'm still a parent. And uh, that's freeing for me because I made a thousand, thousand mistakes when my kids are growing up and still do. But I don't offer you a hundred rules for parenting. I don't even offer you the top 10. I give you one that God gives you. Be the example for your kids that God has called you to be. Take God's word and put it on your own heart and live in obedience and loving obedience to the Lord. That should be freeing to you. You know, it's a little bit like Augustine's great quote when he said, here, I can reduce all the commandments to one. Love God and do what you please. Well, God says much the same thing here. When it comes to parenting, first of all, love God. And take that command and others and put it on your own heart. So start with your own heart. The word for parenting is example. Albert Schweitzer was this brilliant French philosopher, mathematician, medical doctor, three earned doctorates, goes down to Africa to spend his life as a missionary. This is about a century ago. Once talked about parenting, says, I can summarize it. Uh, in three steps. The first step is example. The second step is example. Third step is example. And that reflects this passage in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Be 
the person that God has called you to be. And that starts with loving him, loving him. Now he's got more. And now finally he comes to the kids. But notice that all of parenting really begins with their own heart. But now finally he does have something to say about your kids. All right, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. The them, uh, you know, what does that refer to back in the passage? The, the word of God, the commands of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now what God gives us here is four couplets. Four couplets, each one a pair that goes together, meaning everything. It's, it's, it's a Hebrew figure of speech called merism. So in verse 7, to talk about the commandments, when you sit in your house in private and when you walk by the way in public and everything in between at all places, that's the point of the passage. And then when you lie down at night, and then when you rise in the morning and at all other times, merism, it includes everything. So, in other words, at all places and at all times, wherever you are, talk about God and His Word and how it bears on life. Just seize the teachable moment. Now, teach them diligently. How do you do that? By talking about God as you go through life. This doesn't mean that we become expert theologians and prepare great theological lectures and sit our kids down and give them a theological lecture. The fire hose approach to teaching God doesn't work very well. You know, people drown in it. And so many children have been turned off by the fire hose approach of more than they can handle. But as you go through life and things come up, you talk about the Word of God when you're on your way, when you're in, in the morning, the evening, you know, whenever. And, and it goes on like that. He says when you uh, tie them on your hand and tie them on the, between your eyes. That is, let the Word of God govern all that you do and all that you think. Now, Jews tended to take that over literally, which they did in some other cases. And if you fly to Israel from Newark to uh, um, Tel Aviv, you're going to get a lot of Orthodox Jews on there, and the men about uh, uh, before bedtime are, are going to uh, begin strapping on things on their hands, although they put them way up here on their arms, and they're going to strap a little leather box on their foreheads between their eyes, and there are going to be some commands in both of them. And they're trying to obey what this says to, to bind them on your hand and on your forehead. They miss the point. The point is it's to govern all of life. Obey the Lord and all that you do. Later, he says, do it on your doorposts and on your gates. The doorposts, of course, the private home. The gates, that meant the public city. It'd be kind of like our uh, town center, Market Street. Uh, whether or not you're private or public, let the Word of God govern all of your life um, and everything that you do. So what does this mean? This is what it means. It, it, it's really easier than we might think as long as we are pursuing the Lord. Um, you got a 12-year-old. He's got a test on Friday. He's nervous about that test. So you pray with him. You put your arm around him. And uh, 
you know, Kevin, uh, remember James 1.5 says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously and without reproach to all men, and it will be given to him. And you pray that God would give your son wisdom for this test and peace. And by the way, that, that kind of assumes that you are in the Bible every day because you're loving God and you're knowing the Bible and you can bring scriptures to bear. I'm not saying you've got to go out and learn a list of verses, but you just soak in the scriptures and it'll come out in your life. Or maybe you, you call your, your son over and, hey, you remember what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So let's do that right now. Let's acknowledge that he's Lord, that we're going to trust in him, and, 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 and let's pray about this test. Or, whole different scenario, maybe your child lies to you, and you know that, boy, when this six-year-old of mine grows up, if he grows up learning that it's okay to lie, he's in for a tough, tough life that really displeases God. And so you kind of passionately, gently, hopefully, gentler than I was at times, you know, share your heart about the importance of honesty and what the Bible says about lying and how God loves the truth and, and things like that. And if sometime you accuse your child of lying and you find out he hadn't lied like I did in one of my worst parenting times, I can remember when John Paul was about four years old, lived next door to a little boy named Logan. John Paul during this time was a uh, having a little bit of trouble with honesty. And he shows up at night with his little car, toy sort of thing. And, and I said, John Paul, where'd you get that toy? And he said, well, Logan gave it to me next door. And I assumed that he was uh, fibbing about that, that Logan really didn't give it to him, that he just kind of took it with him on the way out. I said, so I called his bluff. I said, okay, John Paul, let's go over and talk to Logan about that. So I grab John Paul. We walk over next door, knock on the door. Parents come. Hey, we had this little incident about a toy and is Logan, oh, there's Logan there. Logan, did, John, did you give this toy to John Paul? Uh-huh, I sure did. Thank you, Logan. <laughs> and I felt so bad. And John Paul felt emotional. And I hugged his little neck, and I apologized. John Paul, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. And your kids are learning that it is so important to acknowledge and own up to your own mistakes and sins and they, they need that from the from from your parents and so in all of life you, you buy something that you're kind of excited about maybe it's it's a toy for them at Christmas but but uh, you know maybe it's even a toy for you you get a new car and you're, you're excited about that you can enjoy God's good gifts but maybe you also point out to your child that you know just you know we can really enjoy this but we know that that this is not going to make us happy that you'll only get that from God and in this materialistic, affluent culture, we need to be sure that we're teaching an eternal perspective that delight and happiness comes only in Jesus. And we need to be going over that, over that. Church, in all of life, we're teaching our kids. And, and it's, it, in some ways, it, it seems challenging and hard and, because parenting is the biggest challenge I know about. Because at least with marriage, as hard as that can be, you've got a, another fairly reasonable adult. In my case, a very reasonable adult. That was kind of tough. More reasonable than me. Um, but with children, I mean, I had a psychiatrist professor at seminary said every six-year-old would test out on a psychological test to be, you know, completely psychotic. You know, you're, 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 you're talking about, you know, unreasonable little kids. And, and, and some of the best parents I know have kids that don't turn out so good. And some of the worst parents I know have kids that turn out just godly men and women. 
They're, they're not little automatons that you just follow a few steps and they turn out. There's mystery here. But God is, has made it, on the other hand, pretty simple. You, you, you be the person that God wants you to be. And that begins with loving God. Love Him with all your heart. In closing, I have a, one of my main heroes in my lifetime is Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott died a few years after I was born. He died when he was 28 years old in the jungles of Ecuador. He was born in Hood River, Oregon. He went to Wheaton College. And then he goes as a young man with four other young men to the jungles of Ecuador to reach people for Jesus. He had been there about a year, and he marries Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot. And then uh, a year or so later, they have uh, their first child, a little girl, Valerie. In fact, we got a little picture up here of Valerie when she's about a year. And um, this is what happened. Jim Elliott feels called to go into the Warani people. Uh, they were known then as the Alcas. And the Alcas had had um, a lot of violent dealings with oil companies like Shell. And no one had, from the outside world, had safe, friendly relationships with the Alcas. And so these five young men knew that they mattered to God, that they wanted to reach them for Christ. They knew that every tribe would be in heaven. And so they, at, at much risk, fly out into the jungle, put their little plane down by the Kareri River, a spot that I've gone to with, with some of the, the men here some years back. And while they were there trying to reach them, these Alka Indians, uh, not knowing that they meant well, slaughtered all five of them. And um, Elizabeth Elliot was left behind with her little girl, Valerie. And I've read the accounts of, of this several times, Jim Elliot's journals and letters, and he's just one of the most remarkable men I've ever known. I know him through his books. Um, this is a picture about the time Jim Elliot would have died. Just think about that, a 30-year-old wife, one-year-old little girl, and... Um, this week, as I was kind of looking back through the Googling on the Internet, looking at some of the pictures, when I saw that picture, a picture that I know, I just got very emotional, thinking about this godly young woman who was willing to go to the ends of the earth for the gospel with her husband, and she just lost the, the love of her life, and she's got this one-year-old one, one little girl, and she is a woman of faith. She stays in Ecuador, feels called by God to actually a couple of years later when there are some breakthroughs with the Alcas to move into the same village that had killed her husband. And she spends several years reaching them for the gospel. So the little girl Valerie, now a pastor's wife in California, grows up as a toddler in the jungles of the Alca Indians with the man who had killed her father. Years later, Valerie wrote about her mom. And when I reread this this week, I just said, this is what Deuteronomy 6 calls us to. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. A woman who loves Jesus, who trusts him. And this is what Valerie said about her mother in the jungles of Ecuador. One of my earliest jungle memories is canoeing up the river with several Alka men to watch them spear fish. As a curious five-year-old, I loved watching the dark water and seeing the, wooden, the, the sudden white flash of a fish come up on the ends of the spears. 
Such a carefree life was normal for me. I thoroughly enjoyed my life, schoolwork in the mornings with my mother, then afternoon play with the Indians. Yes, there were scorpions, boa constrictors, and wild boars, which could have killed me. But I was never made aware of any anxiety on my mother's part. Looking back, I suppose many would think it was amazing that she gave me so much freedom to explore the jungle and play in the rivers since my father had been speared to death by these same men only a few years earlier. But I realize now that my mother deeply trusted the Lord and she completely entrusted her only child to God's capable hands. My mother believed that God brought us to the Orcas to share the good news with them. Every night when she put me to bed, she sang and prayed for us. I always felt completely secure and safe. I still remember two special songs from those childhood years in the jungle. Jesus, tender shepherd, hear me, and the Lord is my shepherd. Perhaps the most important gift for my mother was that she instilled in me a confident trust in my heavenly father. She believed and lived the promise of Deuteronomy 33:27, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. The greatest gift, well, it was who she was. It was this confident trust in the Lord that comes out of trusting God. And so, here is a mom who loved God, who walked with God, who trusted God, and that was the greatest parenting gift that any parent can give. So, what do we see this morning? On the prime passage of parenting and all the scriptures, the most important passage in all of the Old Testament on anything, well, we see the basic confession of faith that Yahweh, the Lord, He alone is God. And therefore, we're responsible to love Him back. Love Him. Obey Him. Serve Him. Seek Him. Love Him in every way. And then when it comes to parenting, first of all, put God's Word on your own heart. Focus on yourself. Not what you do, but who you are. Especially, love him back. Love him back with all your heart. And then, and then seize the teachable moment as you go through life to bring God's word to bear on life. Some of you this morning may have a lot of regret. Every parent could have some regret because there are no perfect parents except God in heaven. But uh, we've got a drain plug on guilt, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And we would not so disdain the sacrificial death of, of Jesus on the cross as to continue in guilt when he paid for our sin, whether or not that's parenting guilt or anything else. That would be the height of self-righteousness, thinking we got to be good enough. But we claim the grace of God this morning. If there's any parenting guilt out there, just bring it to the cross of Jesus. Because it's paid for. Uh, some of you, uh, you're thinking about the future. This is the heart of parenting. Be the person God's called you to be. It's not what you do. It's who you are, a lover of Jesus. Stand with me, please. Lord, help us to love Jesus with all our hearts. Help us to be like, like Elizabeth Elliot, Lord God, just... Uh, uh, men and women who have a confident trust and faith in our Lord, and we know, Lord, that'll bleed out to our kids. Lord, we need your grace. We need your help. Friend, if you're in the room, you've never taken the first step 
and loving God. It is simple. Open your heart wide this morning like a child running to a parent or a grandparent. Open your heart to him. Say, Jesus, come in, and he'll do it, and he will save you. Papa, help us. Bless every mom, bless every dad, particularly those with kids at home. Bless them, Lord God, and encourage them, I pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.